Hey, Slump Busters, and welcome in. It's time for episode 102 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports. My guest today is going to be Zach Burrell of the Boda Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we talk everything Boston as we go through the Celtics' big changes in the offseason, the Red Sox World Series chances, and preview the AFC East. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partner, Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products cavemancoffeeco.com promo code slump guys don't be a chump use promo code slump and get yourself a case today all right listeners it's time for the episode boat of sports slump buster podcast episode one and two let's get it let's bust the slump and let's enjoy Welcome in Slumpbusters. It is time for episode 102 of the Slumpbuster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and joining me today, Zach Burrell of the Boda Boys, the boys from Boda, my favorite Boston-based sports podcast. We've had some great conversations before, some great episodes, and I'm Absolutely. always happy to welcome these gentlemen back on. Zach, second appearance for you. How are you feeling today, man? Yeah. Hey, I'm feeling great, Juju. I appreciate you inviting us on. Tried to get the other boys to come on. Everybody's got things going on, so but I'm glad to be on, uh, ready to talk some sports with you. Of course, since this is the AFC East preview, it's only right because, come on, we got two posers uh, from the Boda Boys. Am I right? We got a Browns fan. Oh, my God. Yeah, we we have a Browns fan, Packers fan. I mean, I would really argue that they're not technically fans of either team. They kind of just jumped on it at a random time. Born and bred. Born and bred. So... You know, I, I got to say, like, you're really the only one that matters. Uh, don't tell James and the others, even though this is a publicly posted podcast that any of, of them could listen to. I'm sure they will be the first to listen as soon as this episode drops. But yeah, anyway, it's, guys, it's much, just much our love. secret. Our much secret. Love. There, we, there we go. Just our secret and hundreds of listeners. Of course. Whoever's listening. I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> well, Zach, uh, Zach, the reason I'm going to bring you in, obviously, like I said, it is the AFC East preview. You do have that Pats bias, but there is mm-hmm. a lot of action going on in Beantown. There is a lot of stuff going down in Boston particularly in a team you and I share. We're both Celtics fans here. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of turnover this offseason. We went from Brad Stevens being the next Greg Popovich to Brad Stevens uh, being the next Danny Ainge. Ainge is out. Stevens is in. I guess. Uh, yeah. Ime Oduka is our new head coach. I mean, you know, I'll give Ime a chance. But, you know, I was pretty high on Brad Stevens from the start of his career. So as far as the actual player moves, Al Horford is back. Enos Kanter is back. Kemba's gone. Evan Fournier has gone to the Knicks. And then Josh Richardson comes over from the Mavericks. What do you make of the Celtics offseason? I mean, at first glance, it's it just seems like Danny was ready to admit that he's been at fault for the Celtics shortcomings. I mean, obviously with him resigning and having Brad step in and take over that role. I just thought it was really interesting that they decided that we don't want to part from Brad Stevens uh, necessarily, but we're just, you know, going to give him control of the team. Yeah. I thought that that was a huge leap. As good of a coach he has been, he hasn't been able to get them above that threshold. I don't necessarily know if I'm loving Brad Stevens Stevens, the president slash GM or, you know, whatever his title may, may or may not be in the future. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. And, and it's very interesting to see the first move that he makes as the GM of the team is 
to re-sign Al Horford and get Enos Cantor back. I'm not really sure what to make of it, honestly. It's kind of baffling to me, but I mean, we'll see what he does. We'll see what he lets Ime do for this team. I mean, all I know is that I, I've seen rumblings that Marcus Smart is looking ballpark four years, $75 million extension. So I don't know. At I don't this know what point to think of it. with the Celtics, I something had to change, obviously. They just couldn't mm-hmm. keep running it back. But I was thinking maybe if we're going to change, maybe implement another superstar. I was hearing those Dame rumors. I'm, I admit, I got a little yeah. excited. I let my mind wander into the abyss there. I, but- I have been seeing Dennis Schroeder possibly Okay, I, I can see that. Improvement on our defense, certainly someone that can handle the ball, get it to our elite wings and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Okay, you know, I could work with that. That would be a decent yeah. move. The only thing I don't like about that is how much Dennis Schroeder is demanding in his free agency talks. The last time I overheard was over $100 million. And considering some right. of these NBA contracts have been given out, I guess that's not too out of the norm. But still, it just seems like a lot for that type of player. Maybe I just subscribe more to the NFL philosophy that mediocre <laughs> game paid is not necessarily a good thing. Right, right. I mean, for me, it makes sense for them to, to go out and sign a guy like that. I mean, you need to have someone that's going to be able to control uh, the pace of play. And I don't necessarily see them doing that if they're paying Marcus Smart, you know, four years, $75 million. Like, are they going to be able to get go out and get that piece that they need? You know, they have the wings locked down, like you said. I don't know. I mean, getting a guy like Schroeder would definitely take them from maybe a first round exit team to a second round exit team. Who knows? Yeah, I think I mean, that's I part know. of the problem. The East has gotten so much better over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. The Bucks, uh, they just continue to ascend in the right direction. And by the way, the Celtics just never had success against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 76ers, well, the Celtics do have ownage over them. Surprisingly, they just do. I do think that that team, they, eventually the fact that they're more talented than the Celtics will result in a series win for them. And then, of course, the Nets. I mean, the Nets are out there. Hell, the Bulls are making moves. The Bulls had one of the I, most shocking shocking offseasons, exactly, and completely overhauled their starting lineup, so they might even be contenders. Yeah. I mean, I'm not 100% sold on Lonzo. That jump shot, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of that, but DeMar DeRozan money signing for them. That's going to be huge. And I, I think that, I don't know, it's just that ball attitude. Like, obviously, Lamelo has killed it with just yeah, double Yeah, Lamelo has done great with the Hornets. Obviously yeah. made them a fringe playoff team last mm-hmm. year. And if he was not injured at points in the season, maybe they could climb to a higher seed. Oh, uh, the course. Knicks, you know, were one of the bigger surprises last year. Tom Thibodeau had a great year with them as well. Julius Randle just play, got yeah. paid and got broken off. And then they went out there and acquired one of the cast-offs from the Celtics and Kemba Walker just mm-hmm. made a deal for him. And while Kemba didn't necessarily seem like the best fit overall for the Celtics, as it turned out, I think that he fits well with that uh, Knicks roster as they do need more scoring. Kemba can score. And I, I do think that that should help that uh, defensive first team in the Knicks. Right, right. I remember talking about the Knicks um, maybe February. I don't get Tom Thibodeau, but it's working. You know what I mean? Like, I, I understand, like, he's a very defensive-minded coach. I didn't understand it at the time, but obviously come playoff time, they were right on that cusp. I don't know, but New York's got a team. They got their coach, um, and I think Kemba's a really good fit for them, especially on that offensive side of the ball where they might be lacking in some areas. And you can't even underrate it. Let's face it, this team was in the Eastern Conference, so we got to start giving mm-hmm. some respect on their name. But the Hawks, Trey Young is heading in the right direction, too. We're where did the Celtics really fit into this thing? A couple of days ago on the podcast, we were doing an exercise of going through with the Bulls now gain all their stars, who gets mm-hmm. knocked out in the Eastern Conference from the playoffs. And I was hesitant when I got to the Celtics. I was like, right. are the Celtics 
still a good playoff team or are they like a middle seed because i don't know man like they last year was pretty ugly for them they were yeah just treading water the entire season which is a huge fall off from the team that was in the conference finals the year before and obviously was one of the more disappointing teams the previous year before that of course. Yeah. And, and the thing for me is, you know, I, I don't want to say this is a write-off season or this upcoming season. To me, it just seems like they're going to make just enough moves to keep the status quo, kind of just be in the middle of the pack, kind of fighting for that seventh or eighth playoff spot. They're going to make their moves next off season when there's, a, you know, a ton of open free agents. One person I was looking at was Kawhi to see where he was going to go and end up staying in LA anyways. Yeah. I mean, I just think that they're going to end up being the same thing again this year, but I feel like more people are expecting that to happen. So it'll kind of be more of a middle of the ground thing rather than last year where it was like, you know, they're supposed to be a three or a two seed and like they ended up not doing what they were supposed to. So I think there's not going to be that disappointment this year. Well, the tough thing that always comes up in these conversations, though, is Boston not necessarily being a prime free agent destination. So why would Kawhi go across the country when he's put himself out there as this Southern California boy? He probably more than likely like to stay on the West Coast, if anything. Oh, of course. Um, and so certainly when I and then just going down also premium tier free agents, who's that guy? Who's that fit? And do you keep rolling it out with Tatum and Brown for the next couple of years? Because I like both those guys but something's got to give or else we end up in a position where we're basically the trailblazers and have Damon CJ McCollum for years I know and and that's the thing like you don't want to pick one or the other but if you had to you you keep Tatum I feel like that's a consensus like you you need to keep Jason Tatum he is your star for the future and not to say Jalen Brown isn't a star but I think we've seen consistently over the past three years who has been better overall and it's Jason Tatum so I mean you know if if they were to go nuclear and blow up the team get rid of one of the two they're gonna go for Brown that makes a lot of sense to me because at very least you would say that Brown is a little bit of a streaky player. Uh, when he's mm-hmm. hot, he's hot. Like everything's exactly. money. Everything is going in. He's a great wing defender, but just whenever he hits his cold streaks and we've seen that too often in the playoffs, obviously Tatum has that little bit of playoff clutch gene that we got to keep uh, he does. building. We got to keep feeding. So he, he's, he's locked into this roster. Hopefully locked in. Hopefully he's mentally locked in to the Celtics for potentially yeah. a huge roster turnover because the Celtics weren't his first destination. He's admitted that before in interviews too. Mm. Grew up a Lakers fan, grew up a Kobe fan. And then not to mention just on draft day, he was expecting the 76ers were going to be the team that was going to pick him or even potentially the Lakers at the two. Lakers, yeah. The Celtics, he, he had ridden them off on draft day as even a possibility. I've heard him say it out of his own mouth. So that's concerning when it comes into those long-term contracts, those where do you want to be for the next few years? Where do you want to build your legacy? Because Jason Tatum, I think he knows his worth and he knows that on the open market, he could get one of the bigger contracts in the league history. Oh, of course. I mean, the way he's going, he's gonna, he's gonna get that free agent draw from basically any team that has a pulse. I mean, at that, at this point, but I don't know, man, when I watch him play, like you said, got that clutch gene, he's building on that. And that's amazing. This is his team. I think he knows that now it's his team and the Celtics should and are going to be building around Jason Tatum for the future. So for me, I think that if you're um, Brad Stevens, you say, listen, Jason, you are the team. You are the team. You are the future. We need to build around you. What can we do to help you out? And I don't necessarily know Brad Stevens is going to do that because obviously hasn't gotten over that threshold yet, but that's the first step, Brad. Admit your time did not work out. You find your star, build around it. I think one of my wish list items for the Celtics is obviously uh, Chris Paul's long gone four-year deal, 120 million. He's not going anywhere from Phoenix, but someone along that kind of 
same skill set, someone who has that kind of like intangibility to get the uh, wings involved and really take advantage of a score like a Tatum on the outside, because I I think that's the key to really unlocking the Celtics team further. And as much as I love Marcus, he wasn't going to do it. Yeah, uh, Rajon Rondo, you up? Hey, Rajon oh. Rondo, that would actually probably be one of the. I mean, ones. honestly, I'm surprised we haven't hit him up for a reunion tour. I am also surprised because you got Nina Scanter back, you got Al Horford back. Where is Rajon Rondo? <laughs> I mean, bring, obviously he's moved around a lot, but let's bring back Paul Pierce. At bare minimum, not even as a player, we could just bring him on for commentary. I am missing those uh, hot takes on my life or those cold, ice cold takes mm. that he was putting out there on ESPN. Mm. Still crazy to think back on how he got fired from there for his IG live. Yeah, and I and I, I really think it's funny that his nickname is The Truth, but that was nothing but <laughs> on ESPN. <laughs> I, I saw someone roasting him too because, dude, you really threw away your like analyst job for 40 people I, following I you know. on IG live. Yeah, I know. I know. It's uh, not not his finest moment, but as Kevin Garnett says, anything's possible. So a lot of things are possible for the Boston Red Sox as they head into the playoff picture here. One of the league's surprising teams, obviously coming off last year where the Mookie Betts trade kind of left the franchise and fan base a little bit distraught. And here they are one year later, rebuilt, retooled back in the playoff picture. I got to say, I I think this is one of the biggest things I respect about the Red Sox organization because they seem to do this every few years, basically. I remember early 2010s, they trade off Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, Mm -hmm. that whole lot to the Dodgers. Everyone thinks, okay, they're just blowing it up. They're going to suck for a few years. Suck for one year, and then they're back in the World Series picture. Okay, then fast forward a few years later, they had a good down year, a little bit of a managerial change in there that kind of threw them off. But sure enough, get Chris Sale in there, World Series bound. And again, Mookie Betts, David Price, get them off the roster. And now they're trending in that direction potentially to be one of these teams. What do you think about the Red Sox chances this year amongst a very competitive AL? You got the Astros and the White Sox also doing great things out there. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention, I mean, you have the Rays fighting neck and neck with the Red Sox for the AL East lead. And honestly, the Blue Jays scare me. Blue Jays are a good team too. So you have a very competitive AL East, you know, not to mention the Yankees, but boo. So, (laughs) but you know, the Yankees did end up trading for Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. So, I mean, nothing to sneeze at there. It was pretty quiet at the deadline for the Red Sox too. Yeah, I mean, you know, they do go out and get Carl Schwarber, but it's a good move for them, but they really needed to go for pitching, um, especially with looking at how their last five or six games are going. Uh, The bullpen had to come in and basically try to rescue games. You know, the rotation's struggling. I I read an article on Martin Perez. He's had like a 550 ERA in the past six games he's played. So really letting up runs early on and the game's getting away from them. But they have a good chance. They really... Really do. They're they're a fun team to watch. They play baseball, man. I I don't really know how else to put that any better, but I just feel like this is a team that is they're utilizing analytics as best as they can. But in key situations, they're just playing baseball and they're using their instincts. And, and, and I see it. I mean, I think they're five or six games above expected wins right now. And it was like seven or eight, maybe two or three weeks ago when I was looking, they're just beating the odds right now. I think that they can continue to do that. I, I don't necessarily see them winning a world series this year. I mean, it just, it, it, it's, it's going to be really tough, especially with the Dodgers getting Max Scherzer um, and Trey Turner and that whole thing. But they put themselves, like you said, in a good position. They retooled very quickly. Alex Verdugo, great piece from that trade. Jeter Downs, great piece from that trade. The, the list goes on and on. I know if James was on, he would talk you to death about Verdugo and Jeter Downs, about how he, how good they were. And he was like, yeah, they're really good. I don't think you're giving them enough respect. And honestly, I was there. I didn't. But, you know, I, I think they're in a good spot. I think they're going to win a series. they probably lose divisional series. That, that's my guess for them. 
ah, come on, ye of little faith, am I right? But uh, hey, I'm with you there. I'm that kind of superstitious fan too that I don't want to give too much love. I almost exactly. won't even wear a jersey throughout the season. That's one of my things. I have jerseys. I never wear them though because I am so convinced that if I wear the jersey, it's over. Game done. I'm a hardcore Bruins fan and I, I promise you there were a lot of thrown jerseys this season. Lots of thrown jerseys. <laughs> Bit off kilter here, but how superstitious of a sports fan are you? Um, oh, geez. I think instead of me telling you, I'll tell you a story and this will take like just two minutes. So Super Bowl 49, Patriots, Seahawks, watching that entire last drive down to the core. They're on the 50 yard line. And I, I don't know if you remember watching this game, but uh, Russell Wilson threw like a 30 yard wheel route to Marshawn Lynch down the side. And then that Jermaine curse catch and all that kind of stuff. So basically after Marshawn Lynch catches that ball, my dad goes in the other room shuts the door, turns the lights off, nothing. No TV, no sound. He doesn't want to hear anything. Jermaine Curse makes that catch. I do the exact same thing. So, and obviously then interception happens, all that good stuff. So wait, so you didn't even see the interception live? Mm, I did. I caught it luckily. But after that play, they took like five minutes to like review it and everything. And I just didn't want to watch it because I knew they were going to lose, I guess. But yes, I'm very superstitious. And unfortunately, I get it from my dad. But uh, yeah, the Patriots ones are tough for us. So we're football and hockey fans, especially first. So but yeah, very superstitious. I'm going to call my dad out on this one. One of the things that he did that infuriated me at the time was prior to the uh, Chiefs Niners Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. he bought like a Super Bowl hat. Not necessarily saying the Niners win, but it was mm-hmm. like a Super Bowl hat. And I, I just knew, I was like, Dad, you should have mm. done that. There was just something in my mind. It's like, watch, yeah. if this if this loss happens and that hat, you just got to burn it. You just got to get rid of it. You know, here's here's the thing. It would be even worse if he went out in the third quarter and bought that hat. And then the minute he bought it, everything went to shit like it did. So I guess there's that. But yeah, no, I totally get it. I, I don't think about championship gear during a game. I just, I let the game go and then let it all out after. I don't, I don't bother. I can't. You know, we that have a TikTok, me. but we haven't really used it much. I, I'm mostly because I've been so upset at TikTok for taking down one of the best things I ever came up with, actually, prior to the season. Mm -hmm. I had this old Giants hat, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, prior to that Giants hat, I had one that I owned during their three World Series runs, right? Mm -hmm. And then I lost it. I went on a camping trip, um, got belligerently drunk. It's gone. It's gone. I don't know where it went. It's a shame. I could not find it. So naturally, the next thing I have to do, I have to buy a new Giants hat, right? Okay. So I buy this hat. And the next few years of Giants baseball were not very entertaining, to say the least. Uh, 2016 was our best year. And I remember that one just for Bruce Bochy getting a little bit too creative in the ninth inning, pulling Derek Law. And the next thing, the game just goes to hell. Cubs win. Cubs go to the World Series. Cubs win that. And then from there, Giants are just kind of in that rebuild mode. We got all these old guys. So you know what? Before the season, I said, I'm done with this hat. I I think this hat is the cause of all our troubles. Burn this thing. It's gone. It's over. Buy a new Giants hat. And all things considered, best record in baseball, 69 wins, Giants on top. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good about this. Honestly, I am still upset. I believe you. I'm still upset that TikTok actually pulled that reel that I made of doing this for saying it was a community violation for unsafe activity, promotion, whatever. Come on, TikTok. What is this? I honestly, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why it's not like you were like arson, 
screw the Giants. Like, no, but it, it was like, it, it was more of a, a symbolic thing for you. I mean, obviously more than symbolic because they're the best team of baseball right now, but. Feeling pretty good about that one right now. Feeling pretty hey, good. I, I can't, I would sometimes too. you have to just expunge the demons. And, and I think that hat had a lot of demons. And this is a <laughs> lesson for me. Um, if I'm going to get belligerently drunk, I'm not going to wear my best hats. That, that's just a life lesson that yeah, I'm going to take to heart. That's a, good, that's a good lesson. Yeah, that's a good lesson to learn. I learned that the hard way too. So I'm with you 100%. All right, Zach. So obviously brought you in AFC East preview. We're going through the divisions, went through the North. Now it's time to go to the East. So starting with the last place finisher, the New York Jets. Last year, they finished two and 14. This year, I have the Jets finishing three and 14. Obviously the acquisition of Zach Wilson uh, was preceded by the Jets being the worst team at even tanking correctly as they were poised to get the number one pick, draft Trevor Lawrence, have their quarterback for the next 20 years. Not meant to be. Maybe the book's still open on what Zach Wilson can become. New coaching staff there, obviously in New York, as well as former defensive coordinator Robert Sala of the San Francisco 49ers that went to the Super Bowl. He is the head coach for this franchise moving forward. They had a good first round. They picked up some guys that I think will be helpful for Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, get picking up the big guard out of USC, Elijah Barrett Tucker. Great asset for them. Elijah Moore, the Ole Miss wide receiver. Uh, they do have a solid offensive line, but I, I guess I just don't believe in this team and the amount of turnover they got going on. I think it's going to be a lot for a rookie quarterback, and I think the division around them is pretty tough. So, Zach, what are your thoughts on the New York Jets? Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely agree with you. I think that the division around them is 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 going to be too tough for them to get any kind of footing in that conference. You have the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Bills, and all three of them can and most likely will be playoff teams. But I'm still baffled at how bad the Jets bungled their season last year. You had him, you had him, and you lost him. But again, like you said, Zach Wilson, he could still be a phenomenal quarterback. Arm strength, talent, through the roof. I mean, that dude could throw a ball 200 yards easily um, obviously exaggeration but i would hope so or maybe he's got that uncle rico behind him he could throw it maybe, over a mountain maybe he does yeah that's true he could have go-go gadget like super arm or something i don't know but i think that they're going to be a little bit better than people are giving them credit for i like the robert sala move i think that's a sneaky good move for them as a head coach hiring i think he's gonna get the right people in there for zach wilson like you said i like elijah vera tucker i think that's a really good piece to bring into your team and elijah moore i mean what can you say about elijah moore the kid has explained explosive talent at every level in the wide receiver area. I mean, hands, speed, explosiveness, agile. I mean, I think it's going to be very good for him to get uh, Zach Wilson to get a rookie in there with him on the wide receiver front to kind of have that same footing, bring that connection along with them. I mean, other than that, who else do you have on that, on that offense? That's, that's really gonna wow you. I do say I like Michael Carter. He will be a good piece for them, especially in the passing game, but I don't necessarily see him like taking lead back roles, but it's a tough team to, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of grade, you know, I do think this team made a lot of great additions. I think that the, mm-hmm. for the most part, they had one of the better first rounds in the NFL. Oh, draft. I'll agree, I'll agree. But overall, some of its parts, it's a lot to turn over in just the course of a year. And I was just going through their schedule before this, too. I look at the games against the Patriots. I look at the games against the Dolphins, the Bills, and I don't really see them winning any of those. And I, I think if you can't even win in division, that doesn't really set you up to have a productive season overall. Right. Uh, so yeah, overall, the Jets, I, I think that while they will make improvements, and I do think there's going to be some games that they're going to be competitive in, they may even be one of those like almost upset type teams. Mm-hmm. they're not going to be really set up to win now this season. No, of course not. Of course not. No, I have a, a slight inclination that they'll probably steal, I'd say two games from, uh, you know, any unsuspecting teams, like you said, kind of an upset team. I think they're probably going to go four, four and 
what is it now? Four and 12. Four uh, sorry, and five, and 12, five and 12. <laughs> okay. So five and 12. Okay. Yeah, five and 12. Yeah, bad. So that three game improvement there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I could see that from them. Well, here's where you shine. Here's where you let the bias loose as we go to the next team in the division. The New England Patriots finished seven and nine last season. Uh, this season, I have the New England Patriots finishing 11 and six. So I do have them improving. Okay. I do see that they will get the uh, additions of the guys that they missed out due to the COVID opt-outs. Obviously, they made some moves in free agency. Donu Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Mm-hmm. completely revamped their offense there. The biggest thing that could hold them back, and I did have them kind of being a little inconsistent throughout the season as I was going through their schedule, Cam Newton. I'm still not convinced that he's necessarily mm-hmm. turned it around or he's going to find MVP Cam again. Just looking at a lot of the games last year, it was kind of boring football to watch. And I'm sure you can relate, obviously, as you probably were watching a little bit more intently on their games. Going from Tom Brady to pound the rock is very, very difficult, um, especially when you don't even have a buffer season. It's just kind of like, all right, here you go. Cam Newton is going to run the ball more times than he passes it every game. That being said, the first three games of the season was actually pretty exciting football from the Patriots. You had that Seahawks game that they lose on the last play. They run that play nine times out of 10. They're scoring nine times out of 10, I think, on that QB run. So I, I don't really put blame on anyone. Obviously, the rest of the season is a complete <laughs> it's a complete sham. But that game really speaks to me. I think that if they can perform like that offensively every game with a Cam Newton, I think that's his ceiling now. You're not going to get MVP Cam like you said it's not going to happen but they're they're going to get a considerably better cam than they had for the rest of the season um especially after he was dealing with um side effects from covid too i think is a big thing a lot of people missed out on is that he did contract covid for uh he was out for two weeks um they played that kansas city chiefs game without basically a starting quarterback i mean they played with stidham and hoyer and they really almost won that game i I think the big x factor here and a lot of people have written him off is coach bill belichick i I think belichick is still one of the more elite coaches and, and that's why i also gave him some wins against opponents that people might not necessarily chalk them up against, such as the Dolphins. Obviously, Tua is still a young developing quarterback. He still lives facing quarterbacks under that 25-year-old threshold. Uh, in those matchups against the Jets, Zach Wilson on the learning curve, probably mm-hmm. not doesn't work to his advantage going against Belichick. In road matchups against the Chargers in LA. Last year, they blew up the Chargers by 40. Blew so the doors, yeah. Exactly. So there is still that elite coaching gene in Coach Belichick. And and certainly, too, with improved defense, where does Belichick live and breathe on the defensive side of the ball? So as long as Cam Newton is keeping them viable offensively, even if he's not keeping them viable offensively because uh, there is a rookie that they just drafted. So there is always that potential um, for Mac Jones to get in if Cam Newton is truly not producing. By the way, I'll say this. As a Niners fan, I did not want Mac Jones. I put it out there publicly. I did have. not want Mac Jones. But I am actually okay with him being with your Patriots because I think that that is good scheme fit. I think it's a good scheme fit. I agree. I will forever listen to the little voice inside my head that tells me that Joe Namath is the last Alabama quarterback to make a Super Bowl appearance. So that should say a lot about how I feel about Mac Jones. Good college quarterback. Absolutely. Alabama has a history of good college quarterbacks. NFL quarterbacks. No, I'm just getting a little worried, obviously, but I think we might be seeing a little bit of a trend here. We get Tua down on the Dolphins. Seems like he's going to be the viable starter. Seems like he's going to be good. So I have a little hope. I'm hoping that Mac Jones can follow footsteps, break out of molds, crush stereotype because I'm a Patriots fan. I want them to do good, but I don't uh, I don't have faith in either quarterback to lead the team. Honestly, I, I, I'm just putting all my faith in that, that defense because Bill had a bad year last year. He's not going to do it again this year. Okay. I believe that. 
No back-to-back losing seasons for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. On to the next team. So one of Bill Belichick's disciples, Brian Flores, is obviously the head coach out there in Miami. Now Miami, they barely missed the playoffs last year. And you would say one of the biggest reasons they missed the playoffs last year was Tua. Tua looked bad. Tua didn't have that it factor going into last season. That's why there was a lot of offseason speculation. Can Tua be replaced? Even though the Dolphins just drafted him, there's a lot of talk and chatter. Hey, Deshaun Watson, he wants out. Miami, let's go ahead. We got some draft assets. Let's move some stuff and go get him. Um, Didn't happen. As of right now, Tua is going to be the set starter for that team. Will Fuller comes into town, joining Devontae Parker. Uh, They did draft Jalen Waddell, so they're completely changed around that wide receiving core. So Tua does have weapons, but can he hit them? Is he willing to take those risks that he wasn't last year? Because I think the biggest problem with him, he played too much cautious football. And that was one of the biggest things that separated him from Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick goes in, he just wants to sling it. And that's when the Dolphins were at their best, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was just slinging it. Well, I do think that I don't want Tua to be a double-digit interception guy moving forward. I do think that he could be a little less risk adverse. I said this before the NFL draft. I'm going to own up to this until I eventually pass away, but I am still going to pick Tua as my MVP for the season. Yeah, I know. Bold takes. I know. Okay. I time, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. A man sticking with this conviction here. At the time, I thought they were going to be drafting Jamar Chase. They ended up going with Jalen Waddle. I still think that's a, a very good piece that's going to fit into their offense. Does it bring them over to the top? No. <laughs> Do I wish I could take my take back? Yes, but I'm not going to because... Like you said, I'm a man of my convictions. But that offense should be electric this season, especially if Tua just takes his own chains off, just takes them off, leaves them behind, and he just slings the ball at Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he, he has so much potential, and he's got a lot of downfield targets that want a deep ball. So, I mean, I hope he can, you know, just just get out of his own head and just throw the ball. Well, similar to what the Patriots argument was, even if he doesn't, can that defense keep them uh, viable in some games? Uh, Last year, uh, the defense was definitely what was winning them a lot of those contests. Of course. But this year, their defense has a little bit of turmoil going on within. Xavier Howard uh, just requested a trade within the last week. Uh, came out with a big, long spill on Instagram. Will they trade him? Uh, he doesn't have much leverage in this negotiation for a trade. But even then, uh, I do think that that doesn't help that one of your leaders on defense is having this big uh, argument with the organization. And then they did randomly release Kyle Van Noy. So they do have one less veteran on that defense as well. Who ended up uh, going back to the Patriots. Who ended up going back to the Patriots. So a yeah. uh, hit for them, a plus for you guys. Overall, I, I think that that is a little concerning as far as the Dolphins being able to continue to contend. And um, yeah, uh, last year, again, they just, the fact they just came up so short, I, I think we'll definitely stick with that team. Of course. And and for me, Kyle Van Noy, it, it didn't seem like the right fit for me. So I, I don't know if I would say for me, that's alarming. Uh, Xavier Howard, 100% is. I mean, you have a young star, arguably a top five cornerback in the game at this point, still growing, still growing his game. He wants out. I mean, what, do you, what are you going to do? He doesn't have leverage, like you said. They're probably not going to trade him, but it's up to the Dolphins now. Can they repair that relationship enough? It's, it's interesting that, you know, there's similar things going on in the AFC East because you have the same thing going on with Nikhil Harry, obviously not the same talent level, requests a trade, a trade, but he's been doing good in camp and Xavier Howard shows up to camp. He's doing good. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if he plays through it and the Dolphins can repair that relationship, but who knows? I don't think I ever actually marked my record prediction. So 
Last year, they finished 10 and six. Mm-hmm. I actually did have them with a one game improvement, 11 and six. So I do see improvement along the way as they did make great additions on that offense. Overall, some of its parts, this should be a better team than last year's Miami Dolphins team. Uh, moving forward, the final team in the division, the one that I know you're most excited to talk about. I actually got some big breaking news from them today as well. Oh. Uh, the Buffalo Bills finished 13-3 and last year, finishing 13-4 and this year, according to my prediction. Uh, that big breaking news I was talking about, they just extended Josh Allen, six-year deal, $140-plus million guaranteed, huge contract. Obviously, he was a dark horse MVP candidate. If Aaron Rodgers didn't exist, he'd probably be it. But what do you think about them buying into the potential of Josh Allen for at least the next six years? I was on the hype train last year, obviously being a Patriots fan. Couldn't care. I like Josh Allen. I think he's a good quarterback. I know I was saying last year, I will say that Josh Allen is elite if X, Y, and Z happen. It happened. Josh Allen is an elite quarterback, guys. He earned every single cent of that contract extension. Now, we'll see what he does with said incentives now being played out for the next six years, but they have a really, really good team around them. They have a team that can beat the Kansas City Chiefs in this conference. They have the team that will beat the Kansas City Chiefs in this conference this year. Oh, did we get that take? You're saying the Buffalo Bills are going to the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I don't necessarily think they're going to the Super Bowl. Well, okay, I think that, okay. Walking I think that, it back. I no, 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 no. No walking back. No walking back. I think that if at any stage in the playoffs, the Bills will beat the Chiefs. I don't necessarily think it's going to be in the AC Championship game. I think that if things play out, they might meet somewhere in the middle. But yeah, I mean, if they meet in the AC Championship game, then yes, the Buffalo Bills are going to the Super Bowl. I think one of the most impressive things about the Bills' uh, ascension and certainly Josh Allen becoming an MVP candidate is just the continuous growth. The fact that he came in, one of the biggest things people had against him was his completion percentage. Mm. He's fixed that. The guy was over there throwing uh, 70% last year uh, is one of the most athletic dynamic runners as well. And I mean, just so much zip. I I, I think one of the most brutal games for me to watch last year was that Monday night football game against the Niners. And he just looks so much better than everyone on the field. Uh, The kid's good. And you can only think he could get better. I, I guess it's harder to get better than statistically the best season in Buffalo Bills history at the quarterback position. True. A franchise that had Jim Kelly for multiple years, uh, who was elite in his own respect, a Hall of Famer. It definitely does stick out that the Buffalo Bills have gone to this point. I think one of the big things, though, that was concerning is their defense did take a step back. McDermott, uh, one of the biggest things that he uh, puts himself out there is, is a defensive guy. I, I think one of the biggest keys for them beating a Kansas City Chiefs is being able to stop Patrick Mahomes because they weren't able to do that in last year's AFC championship game. Mm -mm. There was no one that was stopping the chiefs offense that day. And after a certain point, uh, Josh Allen wasn't going to get him back into that contest. So if their defense can get back to the point where they were a couple years ago, that's what's going to make or break this team season. Heard. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I look at that AFC championship game last year and I just see a team that has been there and a team that has not. And I think that you're going to start seeing a team that is eventually going to be there consistently. And I think that's the Bills can do that. They are going to do that. But you're right. In order for them to be able to do that, they need to go out. They need to make better defensive signings. The offensive side of the ball is lights out. They could probably stand to maybe get another running back. I mean, obviously, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary were not as effective as that one-two punch last year as people may thought that they were going to be. That could be different this year. But I like Sean McDermott. He's a 
really good coach and he's been building a really good team. I mean, obviously it's a far cry from the nine and 17 that, you know, made the wild card and what was it? 2017. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, when he got panned for putting out there, Nathan Peterman over mm-hmm. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor. I, I wonder if the fact that Josh Allen has become so good, it will at least let him live that one down. Yeah, I mean, I would sure hope so. I would like to see him take that game and put it into every single play that he calls. You know what I mean? I would think that he does that already, but I digress. Yeah, that, oh God, that was Hall of Fame bad. What do you think about that performance? Five interceptions and then a couple of them I think got returned for touchdowns oh my God, the fact that terrible. Nathan Peterman has more pick sixes in his career than actual touchdown passes in his career and yet apparently coaches still love him because he's still out there with the Raiders somehow somehow uh, John's he's probably on some like journeyman stint like doing research and uh, eventually we're gonna see offensive coordinator Nathan Peterman <laughs> gets a job. And I think that's going to be one of the things that is like, oh, okay. That, that kind of makes sense. That plays. We've seen that happen with, uh, you know, former like journeyman QBs that don't really work out anywhere. And they come in, uh, who is it? Kellen Moore with, yeah. with Dallas, Jason Garrett. Jason, yeah. Also Jason Garrett. Yeah. That's also a very good one, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, awesome. Zach. Well, thank you for coming on, man. Obviously I had to let yeah. you exude the bias here on this particular episode as we go through the conferences. Thank you so much. What are you guys working on at Boda? I know, heck, the content's been really good recently, guys. Like, I appreciate uh, that. What yeah. you guys have been doing with the Reels, uh, just everything. I, I got to get very Reels. The fact that you guys are doing so much with the Reels, sports me, everything, you're killing it. And yeah, I Jay- just got to say, you're awesome with that, guy. Hey, well, yeah, I appreciate that, Juju. Yeah, I mean, we're working on a couple things. We are going to be doing our sub-500 draft again, um, basically picking a team that was under 500 and just seeing which team ends up winning more we're going to do that with a couple of pages um i I definitely think we're i don't know if we have already started talking about it but obviously want you guys on there and talk about that try to do maybe like a live draft or something like that but um we're also going to be working on some other things just for our page but yeah james is killing it with the tiktoks with the sports me all that kind of stuff so go interact with him james from boda on his instagram all that kind of stuff especially with some of the content he's coming up with he's he's out of the box James (laughs) James <laughs> may be killing it with the TikToks, but again, Zach, you're still my favorite. Don't let no. him tell you anything. Stay golden, Much pony boy. Much love. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you're listening, but we need you to be subscribed. Go ahead. The button's right there. Hit Do yourself a favor. We, we'll, bring, we'll bring these guys back on, and it's going to be more great conversations for you if you just hit that subscribe. Leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. Uh, check us out at Slump Buster Podcast on IG. Come for the memes, stay for the podcast. At Slump Buster Pod on Twitter. Go ahead and check out our partner, CavemanCoffeeCo.com. Come on, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP and save yourself some money on your next purchase of delicious cold brew coffee from CavemanCoffeeCo.com. Everyone, I need you to stay safe, happy, and healthy, and we'll see you on the next one.